In a franchise where the biggest concern is that everything is more the same, a formulaic plot with a cookie cutter hero, why did we act like the one different movie in a decade was a bad thing? Eternals was the first true epic of the MCU, spanning almost three hours in real time at 7,000 years on screen. Maybe I'm biased because I'm a sucker for ancient history, but wasn't it awesome seeing superheroes in ancient Mesopotamia? Wasn't it wild being able to see semi-modern humans among the chaos Cernan Cortez wrought upon native peoples? For the first time, I'm just baffled at the ratings. I mean, look, I loved Iron Man 3, but I get the complaints. But here, where are the issues? I still haven't seen a single negative review about this movie that made any sense at all, and there are a lot of them. The acting was perfect. I'd probably rank this among the best acted action movies, period let alone superhero flicks. The action was stunning, they out Superman DC. Every character had incredible visual appeal, the CGI was good, mostly because they actually decided to shoot on location. The story was gripping, the twist was haunting. Icarus may be one of the most intriguing heroes and villains in the MCU. He made both lists. So what's the rub? Why did y'all hate it? Welcome back. The Wrong Opinion MCU Rewatch. We got Josh Clark here. Say what's up. What's up? What's up? This is attempt number two. Yesterday we tried for about an hour and my laptop exploded. So we're going to repeat some stuff that we talked about yesterday. Sound good? Sounds good. So this is not news to you because we just talked about it. But this was the movie that I, I knew I was doing this podcast for a while. And originally it was just going to be me, just me talking to my... Uh, myself and doing these awards by myself which is what i do for my nba podcast and then eternals came out and you liked it more than everybody else and it's not like i don't know if it's your favorite movie or anything but you were just like particularly excited about this one compared to anybody else i knew so it made me want to start doing these like targeting them with people who actually care about the movie that i'm doing so you are responsible for part of long opinion oh so kind that wasn't as heartfelt of a of a, of a thing as it was yesterday. Oh, Jake, thank you so much. <laughs> thank I you. I will talk about Eternals. Uh, it came out in 2021, right after the pandemic. It was the third movie movie after the pandemic. All three didn't do too hot. And then No Way Home hit 1.9 billion. But people did not like this movie. And I can't for the life of me understand why. Like, there's a lot of movies I like that other people don't like and don't get good reviews and I understand why they don't do good reviews but I just do not understand that with this what do you think I agree I legitimately don't understand the the hate that it catches like and it's it's funny you talk to somebody about why they didn't like it and they really can't pinpoint like an exact thing like people are like oh the plot wasn't great or oh it wasn't as funny or oh it was too cheesy like that's all like that's just you didn't like it and that's fine if you didn't like it but it it was just objectively, it was a good movie. I thought. Yeah. Maybe I. I mean, maybe that's why I'm not a movie critic, but I. I just thought it was a good movie overall. <laughs> yeah, I think if you are just talking about the movie individually and not outside the entire universe, this is like one of the. If if you're showing movies to people who don't like the MCU and you're like, hey, you'll like this at least. I think this is one of those movies, like this and Iron Man and Guardians of the Galaxy, a couple like that. And I, I, yeah. I do get the hate. Yeah, I don't get it at all. And I might be a little bit biased too, because I'm super into like history and especially like ancient history. And this just, yeah, 
totally covered that. Like while uh, Winter Soldier was like this espionage movie and uh, uh, First Avenger was this pulp war movie and you got all these different genres. This is like this historical epic, at least for, you know, a third of it spliced in between. I really like that part of it. I Yeah, this, I mean, we'll talk about it later, but I think it's just one of the really good things about this movie is just the way that it kind of introduces new aspects into the MCU that haven't really been introduced before such as the ancient history. And I, I just think it's a really cool way to show the development of the characters, obviously that have existed for a long time. And uh, that like, it's, that's one of the things that I thought kind of they missed when it came to Thor and some of the other superheroes that had been a- around a long time. It's like, you know, Thor's supposed to be 1500 years old, yeah. but everything seems to happen in the last 70 years of his yeah. life. And you don't see, you don't actually see the, the last like 10 years of his life are just like by far the absolute worst. It's like having one bad weekend where your entire family gets murdered in separate incidents. That, that's right. Thor's, that's Thor's last 10 years. Yeah. I don't know, but it's just, it's, I just like seeing new things added to the universe. And sometimes that's in the form of new characters, but I think uh, it's even cooler when they can do it in different types of movie making, like different plot lines, things like that. Yeah, and we'll talk about this later, of course, but that's why this movie should have been a limited series. Oh, yeah. Uh, but let's hop into the awards. What do you want to give out first? Okay, um, I am going to go for the easiest award on the list. Uh, it's called the Eternals Award for a reason. <laughs> um, yeah. Could this have been a limited series? I think not only could it have been, I think it should have been. I think it should have been much more than a limited series. Uh, I think it would have been really cool as a, a longer show. Yeah. Um, but I, obviously, but I'm going to take it a step further. I want, actually, I'll save that for the missed opportunities. <laughs> okay. um, but no, as, as far as the limited series goes, this obviously, like it's the easiest answer that I've probably given in this podcast so far. Like it's, you've got 7,000 years worth of um stories to tell in character development and it's just there's so many ways you could take this so many different civilizations that you could really kind of flex your historical muscles you know but it's just it, it's it really is a shame that this was limited to a two-hour movie yeah and it was i think the the second longest mcu movie when it came out and then kind of forever beat it for number two um so there's it's a lot of content, but there's basically three stories going on, right? There's uh, the, the the deviants, right? Like there's the return of the deviants that they were trying to figure out what's happening there. And then there's Icarus's betrayal. And those two are obviously kind of merged together and then turn into one. And then the third one is just the story of the Eternals from, you know, 5,000 BC until today. And so I think in a limited series, I even like, like you said, a longer series, like I think I kind of hope this, the Eternals don't mix with the Avengers going forward. And it would be really cool if this were just an offshoot forever, like what Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was supposed to be, but that sucked because it was two different uh, showrunners dealing with it. But if every episode were broken into basically three acts or at least three interwoven stories of uncovering what's going on with Icarus and dealing with the Deviants and then eventually um, Celestial. And then with every scene tying that into something from the past whether it's like uncovering a plot point from the past or i don't know breaking into new new character development every time you introduce one of those characters as they're as they're 
gathering together. I think that would be really, really cool. But, yeah. And it's, well, it's, it's weird because like, it's almost to the point where you, you really think about it and there's so much potential content in there that it's like, it could almost get really confusing and not be an enjoyable show just because they'd be trying to shove so much in there. You know, like I'm just thinking about like, you could have a whole, you could have a whole season or a couple episodes just on Gilgamesh and Thena. And when they went off and then you could obviously have a couple episodes just on Icarus and Cersei. And then there's just, there, there's so many ways you could have taken it. And it's just, it's really a shame because they're such interesting characters and they've got such, obviously they have such a dynamic history that it's just, it's a shame to not tap into that. Yeah. And I think that's, I don't know if it's easier, but it's, it's, done often like in the last of us i think my favorite episode was episode three i think with nick offerman and his husband and it like didn't necessarily add to the story but it was good to watch and then at the very end it ties in and there's like little moments like when they first meet pedro pascal uh, joel and a a show like this could like a a whole episode that's set in you know 410 bc and then at the very end it's like oh that's why we watch all this because it connects to something that we're learning about this character right now or, you know, yeah, yeah, true. Um, I also, I'm going to go ahead and, and say it now. Um, what I was going to say earlier and I decided not to, but I'm going to say it now was yeah. I think that I think it could have gone a step further from a show. I think this would be an absolutely insanely fun video game. Oh, like, yes. Could you imagine like if you could choose which eternal you wanted to be, which would then obviously choose which side you're on. And then you had to fight the deviants throughout history. And then obviously you had to fight the other Eternals. Maybe you could work some other like Avenger stuff in there. I don't know. It just, there, it, it could have been such a cool video game. And I really yeah, hope that someday somebody makes it a video game. You go back to like, I don't know, 500 AD. And then you get to, you're fighting along the Norse gods. And then you unlock Thor as an unlockable character. That would be sweet. That would be awesome. Movies rarely have good video games based off of them. And when they do, it's like like the Spider-Man 1 video game was awesome, but it was nothing about the movie. Um, but something like this where there's just so much content they don't crack into. Could have. Uh, I'm going to go with... <laughs> I think this is the easiest award. The Ragnarok Award for the character's cinematic peak. I mean, nobody else was in another movie, so... <laughs> all of somebody. Them. What's up? <laughs> I said all of them because there's literally <laughs> not another character that's in another movie. Okay, so we're going to cross it off and I'll go to the next one. A better one, the first Avenger award for the best one-off character. Now, I've got a lot of similar things here. Like, there's uh, the best one-off character, the best uh, returning character, and then there's, like, who stole the movie and Oscar or whatever. Um, but as far as just who had the best characterization, it's definitely Icarus, right? I mean, first of all, he's so freaking cool. It's, like, everything that's cool about superman without the dorkiness and you know homelander without the without the nazi stuff and the whole time you know something kind of fishy is going on but you never really like i didn't guess until it happened right did you no it was that's it was what i think if there was an award for one of the biggest twists i think it would have won it for me yeah that'd be a hard because there's usually a max of one twist per movie well i meant i meant like i meant in the entire universe okay (laughs) Yeah, there's like this, and then the Quentin Beck one was well done, but like, no, like, you know, he's gonna be a bad guy. But then the Vulture's daughter is Liz. That was a really good one, but this is definitely up there. 
when you look, when you're watching it back, you catch all these things. You're like, how did I not notice this before? But then he does something good. And it's because he's so torn because he does love his, his family and his friends and he doesn't want to hurt them. And the way he screams after he kills um, Ajax. I, oh, I, dude. Uh, just heartbreaking, right? It was, it, it just tears you apart because yeah. it's like, now I will say I'm team Icarus. I still think he was on the right side. Good job. Um, that's that's crazy. Just watching his his acting. What's what's the guy's name? Uh, his name? Not John Madden. Richard Madden. Oh yeah, just watching Richard's Richard Madden's performance is just like he's such a good act actor, especially in this movie. And it's like, I just I think it's so. It just it kind of gives me the goosebumps just watching somebody that is so incredibly convicted that they're willing to fight against their family and the ones they love yeah you know and and then in the end when he could have won and he could have been the big hero for the celestials but he chose love he chose cersei and then killed himself because he couldn't live as way possible oh yeah oh yeah and i just and this sounds bad but it's like i would have done everything that like it's I, i think i liked him so much because it's how i think like i'm so stubborn that when I'm convicted on something, nobody's going to change my mind, including my family. I probably wouldn't have killed, you know, I wouldn't, wouldn't have killed my leader, but like, I'd kill that. if it, like, if it came down to like, you know, me stopping Selena or saving the world, I would not kill Selena, but then I would feel so bad because of all the fighting I did against my whole family where I just fly into the sun and kill myself because I yeah. couldn't face him again. <laughs> That's a little yeah. dark. That's a little dark, but it's just, I don't know. It's, it's very, it's a very relatable if you're a superhero. And it is just, relatable in the weirdest way possible. Are you team Iron Man or team Captain America in, in civil war? Uh, I'm team Captain just, America. Just based around registration. You're team Captain America. Yes. For the most part. Why? I would think that if you're team Icarus, you'd also be team Iron Man. Cause you're, 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 uh, you're basically fighting for the law and fighting for the bigger good rather than like Cersei and Captain America and both fighting for, you know, the freedoms in Captain America's sense or, or just the right. For I don't think, to live. It, well, I think it's, I would think that they'd be on the same side. It's a different argument. Like, because I think a different argument, but I think I just in my head, if somebody said that I was on team Icarus, I would say they're probably on team Iron Man too. Uh, I don't know if I would make that. Uh, I don't know if I'd say that or guess that, but I don't know. You be you, Queen. Last uh, on my Icarus, turn. Though. Last thing on Icarus, I do. I always love. I love in movies when bad guys like they they're regretful about what they do, but there's like zero hesitation. And with Icarus, there was zero hesitation until the very end when he couldn't kill Cersei because that's totally different. But like he he almost killed uh, Mockery, right? Just instantly, right? Yeah. And, that was the same thing with uh, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal that I really liked as Mysterio. I said this with Ricky, but like he didn't hesitate to try to kill Peter, but he's also like, "Oh, you're making me kill him now, so this is your fault." And he was actually upset about that. And I, I just, I think that's a cool yeah. Thing. I actually, I actually hated Mysterio. I hated Jake Gyllenhaal as Mysterio, but I am way, I'm in the minority, and I understand why I'm in the <laughs> minority. That's one of those things where it's like I understand that I have the wrong opinion, but yeah. it's still the opinion that I hold. But no, I I, I agree. Say, I was gonna say it's very different from a comic version, but you wouldn't care about that, so that's not why you. <laughs> no, I wish I was nerdy enough to read comics. 
five minutes a day. <laughs> There's so many of them. Maybe I'll start reading the Eternals comics. Oh, I have not read a single Eternals comic. <laughs> you picked Icarus too, right? For First Avenger? Uh, oh, yeah. For So my turn to answer that question. I was going to say Icarus and all of them who died. Uh, I It's just... It's, it's funny because all of the characters who died were my favorite characters. I loved Gilgamesh. I just, I, I don't know why I loved him. He just kind of seemed like a guy that I would like, you know. He's just kind of kind of funny, but huggy <laughs> yeah. at the same time. Yeah, I don't want to say this just because he looks like Wong, but he's the same kind of character type as Wong, where, like, everybody likes him. But I don't think anybody's going to say, like, that's my favorite character. But, like, everybody loves him, right? I don't, like, he just, I don't know, a lot of his... Like a lot of the stuff that he did, I just found hilarious, and that's why I think. Oh yeah, he's coming. Just who he who he is and how he acted was just hilarious, and I just I thought that was funny. But then Ajax, Ajax, I just like. Ooh. I'm not saying that I, I still think Icarus was a better one-off character, but I just for some reason I really liked her performance, and I don't know, Jake. You, Man, I, I can see your face, so you clearly disagree. Agree. Yeah, I'm. <laughs> I, I'm just gonna steal this from uh, picking nits because I had her in picking nits. I like. I think she acted like she was in a different movie the whole time. Like it just it's it was so jarring every time she came on screen. It's like, does she get everybody else's script or is she just walking in for this day? I thought she was so bad. She's an awesome actress. So I, <laughs> you get the wrong opinion buzzer on that one. I, uh, uh, that's rude. I don't know. I rude for saying wrong I didn't. Opinion. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I didn't like her as much as I liked Gilgamesh or Icarus. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I guess you made me feel bad for for my opinion. So you don't just feel stop bad. That. But yeah, no, that's yeah. So that yeah, that's that. Okay. Yeah. Actually, feel bad because I said I disagreed with you. <laughs> nope. All right. Feel the tension. Okay, so you went to pick a net, so I'm I'm just gonna answer that as well. Okay. Uh, picking, picking it. I, the entire plan of the Eternals doesn't make sense. Their plan is to put the Celestial to sleep. There's still a Celestial there. He's going to wake up eventually. Everybody's going to die eventually. Yeah. And they just want to relocate every single human to another planet that likely has another Celestial in it. Like it, it just doesn't make sense. I don't know if that's sense. likely. I don't know if it's every planet or even a lot of planets. I think it's a small percent of planets and this is just off the top of my head so i don't know i don't know Do i got i got the the impression that every planet with life had a celestial Interesting. um because that's why they the celestials made life was to power the rebirth process but i don't know okay. could be wrong but that was my net yeah that's a good one because the plan is really like let's put him to sleep and then it's like, well, what do we do then to get him out of the earth and continue the rebirth process? It's like, yeah, right. That's tomorrow's problem. We'll deal with that later. Come on. I didn't have a lot of nits. I, I I was thinking about this. I think the reason people didn't like it is because it was kind of slow and not in the MCU normal pace. And I don't know. That's just the stupid TikTok generation. They can't you know, watch a movie for more than an hour and a half before they're bored. But as far as nits go, I, I still have a couple. First off, I think it, it makes sense why none of the Eternals stepped up during Endgame um, or any of the other world ending events, especially Endgame after everybody's already dead because they have these orders and they think that that's right. But I feel like Druig 
definitely would have stepped up, right? Because he's the only one at this point who doesn't care about Ersham's grand plan. And he also would have been 100% the most helpful, right? <laughs> just like, hey, Thanos, stop. Good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. I can... I can also see, though, how Druid, I mean, he lived in the Amazon in an unimproved community, basically. So I can see how he would be very much left out of the loop and not well, know that that's happened. Everybody disappeared because, you know, half the people of his tribe would still disappear. He probably would have, like, I don't know, joined up, like, hit up Ajax said, hey, what's going on here, man? Maybe. I, Maybe. I, I just, yeah. I, I don't know. I. Good, what's that? I think they did a really good job of tying in uh avengers stuff into this movie without making it like the focus but that was just the only one that was like well he would have right yeah i actually almost chose him for my favorite one-off character but i didn't because he's not dead um but i absolutely hated druig hated everything about him i thought you loved him when you first saw it i i was wrong no i i hate druig he's just such a douche but he does it so well i just like he was amazing yeah He's very convincing, and I don't, I don't know if that actor actually has a speech impediment. I think he does, but it's just like when you, when you can see him lose control, and I don't know. It's just, it's really powerful. I just think the actor did a very good job. He's very convincing. I didn't notice the speech impediment. Do you mean his accent, or did I just miss the speech impediment? He's just, I'm also really bad with the accent, so I might have just mistaken. I don't know if he's got a speech. I, I, I thought I read that he was like had a speech problem i don't know he no, definitely he doesn't sound like a normal person and i apologize if that's offensive i think he did a great job i'm not taking anything away from him yeah, it's no, just he does have a it's very like distinct accent. it's just when that when you uh when guys start yelling and they start getting real passionate everything about their voice you know comes out more and i just think it makes it all that much more convincing yeah that was a tough part. I don't know about tough, captivating. It was an interesting facet of this movie, how literally every single character had a vastly different accent. That, that was kind of interesting. That I don't know I've seen really before in a movie. I was actually wondering about that. Like why I understand like diversity and inclusion is important or all that, whatever. Yeah. But why would Erisham create so much diversity in these robots? I understand the diversity because I guess he wants them to mix because he they're going to different tribes throughout history so at least like one person looks like the tribe or the nation that they're going to right so there's at least that one person who can connect at least physically with the people they're going to but i don't get obviously making sprite a kid forever i guess maybe you're connecting with the kids at that point but then definitely with Margaret, why would you make your death that i don't know it's just it like it i was thinking about like why wouldn't you make your superheroes physical specimens? Like, even if they don't have super strength as a power, maybe just give them big muscles. Like, well, I think they're all super strong, too, because, like, Drew got blasted by Icarus, and he was still alive. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I've always thought about that with superheroes. Like, does it really matter if you have big muscles? Like, Superman is always buff. Like, aren't you made of steel, basically, either way? Like, you can be skinny and just as strong. What do you do those muscles? Also, with how strong they are and the pounds per square inch of their punches like they would punch holes in people's faces like I, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a fight they would literally just be hole punching all the time yeah that was always the thing with spider-man that he has to pull his punches uh, otherwise he'll kill everybody he fights but that's always a thing that bothers me and people like uh like in justice league where superman lifted a building if you're putting that much pressure into one square you know like, like a meter 
you're just going through the building. It doesn't matter yeah. how strong you are. You just yeah. right through it. Like, you'd never be able to catch a train. You just put a big, giant hole in the train. It's the sh- sh- shape of a human. Yeah, the worst was when Shazam caught a train. Oh, yeah. the windshield. <laughs> like, <laughs> I couldn't do that. Um, it's ridiculous. Uh, a couple more nets. After their, their final mission, that's when everything went bad. That's when uh, Druig ditched. That's when... Uh, Athena started going crazy. So that was just, you know, convenient timing. It, it would have sucked yeah. three missions ago. Um, why would Erisham tell Cersei anything at all? Like, if she, if nobody knew anything, Tiamat would have just come out of the earth as planned. And, you know, that that's it. So why did he need to tell her at all? I mean, why wouldn't? If, and Eris, like, I guess, if, if you're Erisham, right, yeah. and your prime eternal died and chose somebody else to take her place as the leader. Wouldn't you want the leader to know the plan? You know, I just seven days later, do a debriefing in the giant ship after the planet's already destroyed, you know? And then if she can't handle it, then pick a different leader, you know? Yeah. That, that was, I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> um, they said both Superman and Batman. Can they do that in, in a Marvel movie? I don't know if that works. This, um, but that means that when did they say batman uh who was it was it kingo it was one of the eternals was talking about no it wouldn't be kingo was talking about kingo's um valet and they said oh valet like alfred you're like batman oh yeah that's weird didn't even think about that so at the end druig like the plan is for druig to do it and then he gets they think he's dead so they were like okay cersei your time and then Druid, it turns out he's not dead. And then he's like, hey, I can't do it, though. Why couldn't he do it? I didn't get that. Mm-hmm. And then last one, most egregious one. When Thena cut up that deviant, I love that moment. That was so cool. But her sword strokes, they, like, in no way matched up with where he got cut. I'm glad you saw that, too. I, I've seen that every single time I've watched the movie, and I just kind of have ignored it because it's cool. But <laughs> yeah. I'm like, it's just that's just kind of... Yeah, she does like one swipe both ways and then there's nine different angles on him that didn't make any sense yeah and i am up you went you, you went negative pretty quick i'm gonna go positive let's go uh i am iron man award the best single line uh, i've got three that are runners up and then i'll end with with my main one um this this one had nothing to do with the main plot but it was just it was very it was very nice uh when icarus first tells C- cersei he loves her he says, I'm yours, Cersei, if you'll have me. Oh. See, I was just uncomfortable that entire time because I knew a sex scene was coming up and sex scenes make me uncomfortable. Slow sex scenes are very awkward. Like the Iron Man sex scene, when it's like funny, it's it's less uncomfortable. But if it's like a slow, intimate sex scene, I'm like, man, I'm just like watching somebody's private life right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, um, it's weird. And then there's... Cersei saying, every time innocent lives have been sacrificed for the greater good, it turns out to be a mistake. And that's where it's like, yeah, maybe I'm on Cersei's side. Maybe you swayed me with that line. And I, this one, I love this one. When you love something, you protect it. It's the most natural thing in the world. That was my, that was my Who said uh, that? top line. I can't remember. Was Why that? can't I? Oh, no, that was, that was Thena, right? Thena saying that Gilgamesh had said that to her. Yeah, okay, that's why yeah. I like, yes. Because that's why I had Gilgamesh written down as one of my, because he was so loving and heartwarming. 
But he said she said that to her. And it was just it was such a powerful moment because wasn't that after was that after Gilgamesh died or was that before? Way after he died, yeah. Yeah, it was way after. And you're still like heartbroken because he's dead. You're heartbroken because you think that there was there was clearly a very strong relationship between two, you know, intimate or not, there was a very strong relationship. And then you can see the heartbrokenness in her face as she's saying she's saying that. And it's just it really kind of uh tapped into your tapped into my like i don't know husband instinct oh yeah not my i don't have that uh so that one was like a a positive one that was like the pro cersei side and then this one is it's still pro cersei side but it's it's coming from druid so it's way more like aggressive it's during it's at tenochtitlan he says we're just like the soldiers down there fonts of their leaders blinded by loyalty that's like the whole movie in a nutshell, right? Like these celestials and then the internals, they think they're so different. But the concept of this movie is that just all of us sentient, intelligent beings, we're all pretty much the same, give or take a couple cool powers, right? Yeah. But I think yeah. that yours was, it was more aesthetically cool. So you-, you- No, I think, I think the uh, Athena slash Gilgamesh line was the most, in my, my eyes, was the most powerful line of the movie. Um, I just have to, I always answer this with a funny line. So I have to give my two cents. Uh, I think one of my favorite lines in the movie was when, uh, shoot, what was that Indian guy's name? Um, I don't remember. Kingo's valet. Kingo's valet, yeah. I don't remember. But yeah, it's when uh, they're fighting in the Amazon and Kingo's valet gets his camera smashed. And then later he's got another camera and uh, Sprite smashes his second camera or something. And she's like, how many cameras do you have? And he's like, always bring backups. I just I thought that was so funny. <laughs> yeah, he's a great character. And there's a little bit of heart with that character too. I don't, I think I mentioned him later. Maybe I don't. Okay, yeah. So I'm gonna talk about him right now. Cause that that the moment where Kingo like refuses to fight either way. Um, and you want like which I, I love by the way. I'm gonna talk about Kingo later a lot because I think Kingo might be my favorite character in this. But Kingo chooses to walk away and the valet just has to kind of live with that. And like, okay, it's good to meet you guys. Appreciate it. Thanks for trying to save us. Uh, yeah, it's so, like, it's like, like he was comic relief, but then he was brought in with so much, like a couple moments of really good heart too. And that was, that was really, really well done. Yeah, it was very well done by, by the producers there. Yeah. Uh, you're up. Uh, Pit the Troll Award for egregiously lazy CGI. <laughs> Another really uh, easy one. Yeah. I again I had trouble with some of these, so I'll just I'll let you take the harder ones and I'll give my two cents. Um no the Pit Patrol Award for uh, egregiously lazy lazy CGI. All of the space scenes just sucked. You know, for a in uh like a, a a franchise that has kind of built its foundation in space a lot of well, I guess it's on Earth most of the time, but lately has had a lot of movies in space. You'd think they'd be good at that. But just like all of the scenes where they're getting sucked up to the, I don't know. It's just, yeah. all of it was just bad. But again, it wasn't that bad a CGI. I don't really think there was ever egregious, egregiously bad CGI in the movie. That was just me finding uh, something to, to talk about. What did, did you, you skip the post credit scene? Uh, I did. Yeah, I didn't count that because that was obviously <laughs> awful. <laughs> yeah that's my winner like it looked like in those old iron man cartoons i don't know if you ever watched those the entire it was all like traditional animation like mostly like hand-drawn and then pasted kind of stuff not like literally hand-drawn but digitally created 
but then when he suited up and turned to CGI and it was just like super different and it was just really like looking back back then it might have been really cool but looking back it looked so weird and that's what it looked like here it was like this animated character just walking around people which is not what you want with CGI you want them no. to look real people yeah what did I just watch that oh no that was <laughs> I'm thinking of the, the trailer for that movie Strays there's that scene where one of the characters turns into a uh, a cartoon and that's that's what it looked like um <laughs> but as far as the rest of the, the cgi they did do this one they shot on location which they very rarely do they usually do it um you know warehouses with green screens but uh zao fought to the, the director fought to do this one mostly practically and it, it looks really good and the one i would have thought other than pip was the super deviant guy who i hated that character in general I thought I would have put him in picking nits. Oh, I, I talk about him. I talk about him later. Don't worry. But he didn't even look that bad. It was just like stupid artistic choice. It's like the, the bad guy in uh, Steppenwolf in, in Justice League. That's the one I always compare it to. Like, why do you need this giant CGI character to ruin everything? Now it just looks dumb. Yeah. And another thing I didn't like about him is why did he suck the powers from two Eternals and all of a sudden he's this fi- highly functioning intelligent individual like you think he needed to develop more i don't know whatever yeah i think they could have scrapped that entire character and it would have been fine um oh i talked about it later yeah. well we're gonna talk about that in a couple just a couple things um i'm gonna go with the silver surfer award for the character that should have been introduced you as a non-comic person probably won't <laughs> have a lot of good answers for this award but I definitely thought the Celestial at the end, obviously it ended up being Arisham. I thought it was going to be Galactus and that was going to be the end of the movie. And then the next movie would be about Galactus or like leading it to Galactus versus the Avengers. And I was devastated. Like he's not a Celestial in the comics, but they've changed a lot of stuff and he's another, you know, giant guy. So who you heard and call him a Celestial. Do you know who Galactus is? Uh, Kind of, yeah. Okay. You know him as the Cloud from Fantastic Four 2, right? <laughs> yeah yeah i actually thought he was the um guy from what if up until about 10 seconds ago nope that's watch you the watcher the watcher the watcher did you have anything for a silver surfer award uh no All obviously right. because i don't watch comics <laughs> i am uneducated clearly um you had an expect then okay i uh, I'm going to go with the Hawkeye Award for most unexpectedly inspiring moment. It's just I, th- that one. I think, for me, I think the most unexpectedly inspiring moment is the moment where Sprite breaks down and she's crying and like, why did Arisha make me like this? Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I thought that was cool because, you know, everybody's different. Not everybody can contribute in the same way. And you kind of see this individual who doesn't know how to contribute but then you can see throughout the movie in different ways she's a a very important member of the group yeah in Um, many ways she's kind of the most powerful obviously not necessarily in a fight but in so many other ways she's one of probably most powerful is hard to say because it's not like like you know icarus is the most he's the strongest most powerful but she can do way more than icarus can right yeah, yeah, no, and it was, it, I, I thought it was just cool kind of seeing 
seeing it on the big screen when you know you, you you have somebody struggling with their worth their value what they can contribute and then they find ways and you, you can see them when they like when she was you know making those illusions she felt valuable and she was contributing a lot and it was i don't know it was just it was cool to see yeah because in the end and it's a, a bit of a negative because she took the obviously we're both on icarus's side but we know he's the bad guy she took icarus's side at the end and but like she was screwed like cersei was screwed once sprite came into play because she made all those fake mountains and then you had the druid hidden in the head of the rock which was really good timed humor i think because it wasn't that funny but it was like a little bit funny you know yeah so it didn't like just again it was it was one of those things where it's like you could see the emotional tension and then it's just cutting it with the rock to the head yeah that was good uh for my hawkeye award there i've a lot of the Iron Man awards, uh, a lot of those lines could have made it, but I had when Kingo was refusing to go because he was to go join the other Eternals in the first place when we first meet him, or at least meet him in the present day. He refuses to go, and the valet says, "Life affords no greater duty than to protect one's family," and it was like kind of funny, and it was a just a cheesy line from one of Kingo's movies. Like that's not the best line; it's really cheesy, but it's just this dorky valet trying to inspire Kingo with his own words. I, I, I thought I liked that. I thought it was mildly inspiring. Yeah, no, that was, that was definitely a good one. I, again, it was just one of those things where the, the valet guy, I, I, it bugs me that I can't remember his name, but where the valet, he's like both funny and like heartwarming at the same time. It's just, yeah, big fan of him. Karun Patel. Karun, yeah. Karun. I don't know why I remember that, but it's K-A-R-U-N on the subtitles. There you go. But I was saying it wrong in my head. I thought it was Karen. I'm going to go with the Taika Waititi James Gunn Award for the funniest moment. Taika Waititi had it. Then he lost it. Uh, I think just the concept of Sprite having told Dane a bunch of like true things about their past. And he just kind of like goes along with it because she's a little kid. But then it's like, <laughs> it's true. And the point where he's running, he's like, I thought you killed all the deviants. And she's like, you told him that? And then Sprite's like, you believe me? I do now. (laughs) It's stuff like that. Why I would like Dane was a really underutilized character. And obviously based off the ending and he's going to be the Black Knight. uh, We're going to see more of him, but he did not get a lot of screen time. And that's why I wish we had, you know, 10 episode series about this. And then top to bottom. What's that? Or video game. Yes. Uh, top to bottom, the scene at, at Gilgamesh's place was hilarious. Like, oh yeah, I, oh I, yeah. I always, I always like love those types of scenes where you see like uh, superheroes bro down for a second. Uh, I got two favorite parts from that scene alone. When Kingo said, "Should she be drinking?" and then uh, he's like, "Don't worry, here's non-alcoholic." Uh, <laughs> um, and then. Even better than that is Cersei talking about the earthquake that, uh, you know, the earthquake at the beginning of the movie. And Gilgamesh says, oh, I thought I was drunk. <laughs> no. Gilgamesh is the best. He Gilgamesh is, the best. is so funny. Uh, I actually. My I, got, I got one more. I got one oh, more. I, I got two more, actually. This one was just like a little bit funny, but it made me laugh really hard this last time seeing it. When the little kid. Um, Shoot, what was the the black guy's name? The the tinkerer, Fastos. Fastos, yeah. Uh, Fastos is kid. He's like, hey, that's Superman. I saw you flying with a, flying around with a cape. 
And then uh, Icarus in his funny little accent goes, I don't wear a cape. Like <laughs> I don't one. wear a cape. I don't but, wear a cape. I don't wear a cape. I don't wear a cape. That was the druid. Um, but my favorite oh, moment, my, my funniest moment. Uh, okay, so Cersei's talking about how they're just not going to let everybody on Earth die. They're going to fight for the Earth. Can't let all the humans die. And then Karun's like, yes, right. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little biased, but, you know. <laughs> That was great. That whole scene in Australia was just, that was so good, top to bottom. I just, I don't know, it was so funny. Was that it, Gilgamesh, his place with Athena, that was Australia? Yeah. Okay, there you go. It was just, it was just one of those things, like it just, I don't know. It, it seemed realistic. Like it kind of seemed like that's how real people would act. And that's yeah, what like, I thought was so funny about it. Like, even I don't just know. like the, the little throwaway lines about like Kingo saying, Thor used to like follow me around with his little hammer and now look at him. He won't return my phone calls. Just like stuff like that is stuff I like in the middle of movies for 10 minutes. Yeah. So my funniest moment was that whole scene. But for some reason, I just, I loved the, when they first walked up and uh, Kingo was like, the mighty Gilgamesh. And he just opens the door and he's in an apron. I just thought <laughs> that was funny. And it's like, it's really sad, and I probably shouldn't say this, but one of my funniest moments is not necessarily because of the movie, but because of how hard Selena laughs at me. But when uh, they tell, when Cersei tells Gilgamesh that Ajax is dead, or was it Cersei? And he drops the pie. And he drops the pie, and I go, no, the pie! And just, Selena just, because for those of you who don't know, I love baking. I love pies. So, like, that's just, I don't know. It's kind of funny, but then Selena just busts out laughing in her classic, just Selena annoyingly loud, but also super cute, super funny laugh. What is that? Just there? it's funny. Yep. Um, the, she the doesn't listen to how it like it's stuck in the pan for a second, and we're all like, "Oh, is that not gonna fall?" And then it falls, <laughs> and then it just slides. Yeah. Okay, so going off of that, uh, doubling down on the Taika YTT Award, the newly named for the joke they could have scrapped. I don't have a single one. Like, this movie wasn't super funny. There's a lot of funny parts, but nothing was like, oh, wow, that was hilarious. But there's not a single joke, I think, that didn't land, unless you think I'm wrong. Uh, I thought, see, I would, I was tempted to put Kingo as my favorite character. Um, obviously, I couldn't because he's not dead yet, whatever. I was tempted to talk about him, but he's just got, a lot of his lines are kind of cheesy, and they just... Filming lines, I just thought, like, they didn't really land. So it's like he probably could have taken that whole thing about him filming the documentary out. But then some of them were really funny. So it's like you don't really want to take it out. But I just, I don't know. I thought some of the – I can't nail down one in particular, and I intentionally didn't because I just thought in general that the, a lot of those jokes based around him filming his documentary were just not the best. That's fair. I, I think I would disagree, but I think that's fair. I think there were a lot of uh, horse jokes in there. And obviously he's a comic actor who, by the way, got like swole for this movie and he didn't even necessarily need to. So that was that was cool. My pick. Okay, so I'm just going to go with the She-Hulk Award for answers to questions <laughs> that don't need to be asked. Um, the answer to the question. So first of all, the question is, what happens between Gilgamesh and Thena? Mm, okay. my answer is that they they're boinking dude they're definitely they're doing it they they're in love 
if you are with a person and Angela, Angelina Jolie is obviously super attractive. Uh, they drink a lot. At least Gilgamesh drinks a lot and he's taking care of her. So there's a bit of a, a, a dynamic there on, on her end while he's not necessarily in her league attractive wise. I, I could see that. I don't think, I think for, you know, when they first arrived until 500 years ago, I don't think they did. But after living together for that long, just the two of them for the most part, I would assume. Uh, yeah, I think so. What about no, Druig? What about Druig and Makri? I don't know. Like, obviously, there's the sexual, there's the tension, sexual tension between them, all the kind of weird stuff. But I was kind of wondering that because she was supposed to be in the Dobo the whole time, and he's supposed to be in the Amazon the whole time. So, but you never saw that transpire beforehand. So, part of me wonders how much fornication happened behind the scenes between these characters you know friends style like the show friends style like how much was going on between these eternals that we never heard about never saw about you i i think you see them have a little bit of that weird uh not sexual tension but that, just that chemistry before like in the past yeah that's what i was looking for is chemistry not sexual tension yeah, I couldn't think of the term. um they have that before the the eternals break up so that was definitely but I, I don't know. I don't know if Mockery was there forever, like the whole time. I don't know. She could have dipped out a little bit. She can, you know, go to Egypt in two minutes. That's true. She has super speed. She can. I said Egypt because that's far away from me, but that's like a two-hour bus ride from where she is. So that's, that's <laughs> yeah. Random that's funny. country to pick. I don't, I don't think most of them hooked up. I think definitely not Mockery and Druig because I just think that's like harmless joking flirting because they're really close to each other. And then I think Thena and Gilgamesh did, but after the breakup of, of the Eternals. Was it like, I see, I th- I would disagree. I think that that was less of them just hooking up. And I think they were, it was just more, because Gilgamesh was, I think they were in love, like husband and wife married, but not like, you know, put a ring on it because they're not obviously modern day Christian weddings. That's not that Christian. Didn't happen. Well, it's a Christian wedding. Like, yeah, like it just obviously they wouldn't have gotten married because they've been alive for 7,000 years before the kind of marriage institution was created. But I think that it was it was a very monogamous relationship for a very long time. Yeah. Anybody else? I don't think there's any other options. Hopefully not Sprite. That'd be weird. How do reproductive organs work with Eternals? Why would they have reproductive organs? They're robots. They probably have the organs. They just don't have the in- the innards. <laughs> no eggs and sperm. Okay. Well, then how did Fastos have a baby? <laughs> <laughs> how did Fastos have a baby if he was an Eternal? Did Eternals have reproductive organs? That's funny. Uh, the She-Hulk Award for answers to questions that don't need to be asked. Epic theories. How long did it take Icarus to go to the sun? Because I, I did the math. My Marvel Encyclopedia says that he goes 850 miles an hour. So that'd be 4,558 days to get there, 12 years. That's a long trip to kill yourself. Like for most people, unless you decide, like I'm just, you know, doing it this night. I'm going to kill myself this night. If it's just like, oh, spur of the moment thing and somebody stops you, you get 10 seconds to think about it. You're not going to do it. But he's going all the way to the sun for 12 years on like a, just, just for a bad afternoon, you know? 
Yeah. I don't really know how to answer that because all of Marvel's travel wouldn't make any sense at all. Because even if you were to go to speed of light, the even if you were to go the speed of light, it'd take the Guardians of the Galaxy like thousands of years to get from one side of the galaxy to the other. So yeah, but they have like the wormhole things. Yeah, but those wormholes don't just like pop up anywhere and everywhere you want. Yeah, you got a wormhole button on your on your ship. So well, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe Icarus has a wormhole button. That's a good point. Maybe he has a wormhole button. I'm going to do the Captain Marvel Award for the character that inexplicably didn't help save the world. Uh, it makes sense that the Eternals wouldn't help the Avengers. They explained that really well. But why would the Avengers not help the Eternals? Especially Doctor Strange, who's got a pretty good grasp of what's going on at all times across the world. He would notice a giant hand sticking out of the earth. Like, for the most of the movie, you know, nobody's going to help out. But in the final battle, you see a hand coming out. You're like, oh, that's where I'm going to be. You know? Yeah. But if you think about the fact that the hand was only out of the earth for like a very short amount of time, but being, I guess he wasn't the Sorcerer Supreme, so it would fall more on Wong. Why did Wong not know that something was up with the, with the world, you know, when all these earthquakes started happening? That's a good question. That's, that's all on him. That's good. Did you have one for Captain Mar- Marvel Award? Uh, no, I was going to. I was going to kind of say all of the Eternals didn't really do anything because kind of what was going to happen ended up happening. But, yeah, I mean, obviously, Kingo didn't really do anything. Ajak was... She did nothing. She died. Yeah, I mean, she died. But, like, all of her battles, like, you'd think that she would have been able to fight a little bit. Druig, obviously, like... like, what after Everybody got hurt after every single fight. She fixed them up, so at least... Yeah, she was, yeah, yeah. That that's why I took it away. But then Druig, like, he didn't do anything. Oh so that, no! Every time, because every time they kill a deviant, all the people are like, "Hey, who are these guys? Do we attack them?" And he's like, "Hey, no, do not attack me." You know, changes their minds. Nah, that's that. No, I don't think they would have died anyways. I think the Icarus just could have picked him up and flown away. I guess, yeah. All right, last one, cheesiest fight scene slash best fight scene. I think everybody has really visually appealing powers, so just every fight scene looked pretty cool. And I'm a big sucker for history, as I said, so I just loved all the flashback sequences. I think my favorite was the very first one in ancient Mesopotamia. Uh, It was fun to watch, but it was also really good at showing everybody's powers and their role, like what they did amongst the group immediately. I guess you would push back on Druid, but... (laughs) I, I just think everybody was shown really well in that. And then the Tegnoctiklan scene, that was really good too. And there was it wasn't necessarily the same fighting sequence as that. There was kind of Thena versus the Eternals for a second. But just top to bottom, that was a really good scene because what you really get out of it is what the like the devastation the Eternals felt when they see humans slaughter each other. Uh, so just a really good scene. Although that... Yeah did have a really cool fight sequence with Gilgamesh slamming Thena's head down to the ground. That, that was a cool shot. How did Thena not die? I don't get that. But no, that was a that was a good scene. I I thought there were better fight scenes. Um yeah so I, my, I, I my pick was Mesopotamia, the first fight scene, but then I just yeah. wanted to mention the the clown scene because it fits here. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. I uh, thought the Mesopotamia fight scene, like you said, I think it, it was a very well-balanced fight scene. It's just the I, introduction of Icarus. I, I, I can't explain it just because it was so cool, 
all of his flying scenes were really well done. And I feel like that's not something that's often done in movies. Like I've never seen a Superman movie that, that looked as good as Icarus did in this, at least via like in terms of flying. Yeah, no. And like, even in, when they were in uh Technoctilon, like when he just gets up and flies away from being on the ground, like that just, it looked good. Like it just, it looked like somebody was actually flying. Yeah. But no, I, I thought the Technoctilon, Tulan scene was good. I, you know, the fight was all right. The end scene, though, I, I need your help with this one. I can't tell if I loved it or if I hated it because <laughs> there were some really good sequences, but there were some also some just really stupid sequences. You know, like when Icarus is getting beat up by uh, Mockery, why didn't he just fly up six feet in the air so she couldn't reach him? Or, I like, think, stick his hand out. Or stick his foot out and trip her, you know? He did end up sticking his hand out. But I, I just think when she's coming that fast, like, he just didn't know what to do. Like, he, he's just overwhelmed, you know? And I think yeah. that's the point, because once he finally got his bearings and being like, okay, this is happening, he just pff, caught her immediately, you know? Yeah. Um, but you, you could say he could have flown up, so I guess. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was cool. It was cool action, but there were just, like, one of the thoughts I had was, like Fastos was using all this new technology that he seemingly just created. Like, it's like he pulled this stuff out of his pocket, but it's like, when was he actually thinking about putting Icarus in a trap for years? And he developed this, these tools because he's not magic. You know, his thing is he's a tinker and he makes stuff. He doesn't make it out of nothing. So well, that's just it's stuff like that. And, both. I think it's a power that can create that technology. It's a little unclear. I don't know. It just it seemed like that that scene kind of underutilized some of their powers and overutilized some others. It just I didn't love that scene, but it was also cool. And I also I never mind. I'm not gonna go any further. But yeah, that scene no, it, was, it was very conflict conflicting. So I think the the last fight scene there was a lot of I, fast. It was beating up. Icarus is a little fishy, but then he got out of it. So it's like okay, he ended up winning. So it's yeah, can't really push back too much. I just think the entire big deviant scene, the the super, I don't know what they called it, uh, him turning into a person and being someone to fight. Now, I just thought that was so stupid. The final fight I thought was really good for the most part. There was like fun matchups um, with each person trying to take down Icarus and each one failing. And then the super deviant just shows up and ruins. Like they just, if they scrap the entire plot line and like keep the deviants returning, but just killing them, you know, and not coming in at the end. They just wanted to jam in one big bad guy other than Icarus. And I just think every scene with him was was worse for it, including that last battle. But it led to the cool Athena scene. So that's at least a silver lining. That was my uh, cheesiest. Just everything was, was super deviant. Yeah. My cheesiest and my best fight scene were the same fight scene. So there you go. Although one scene, like little mini scene I left out, when they're fighting in the Amazon, there's a lot of cool sequences in there. But I, I really liked when the deviant's like shoving Icarus's head down to the floor and he keeps trying to raise up and the lasers are shooting out and smashing it down again. That um, is cool. cool. I also really liked where uh, uh, Kingo's like charging up his gun. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, and then blast him in the head. That, that's a weird power too, but it looked cool, so I don't care. Um, all right, that's it. We're on to the speed round. So you just rip off all what is like five answers in a row and then i'll rip off my six six answers in a row but you go first 
Speed round, we got missed opportunities, just one Oscar, best non-MCU double feature, Peter Quill Award for best choice in music. Which prop would you have stolen and who stole the movie? Hold on. Okay, I need to I need to prep just prep my mind for a second. Okay. When I said speed round BJ, when I did with BJ, he tried to read it all super fast. And that is not what you have to do. Okay, here we go. Speed round. Three, two, one. Okay, missed opportunities. I think Super Deviant could have been really cool had they focused on him and been like had his, him be his own super villain in an, a separate movie or TV show episodes. I think okay, so it could have been cool. Wrong. Wasted it, and dumb. Yeah, maybe I'm wrong and they didn't have to cut him out, but they just didn't use him right. He wasn't developed. So uh, that's fair. Exactly. I agree. Uh, just one ox. Uh, 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 you don't have to go fast. <laughs> <laughs> Just, it's, a, uh, just, it's a speed round. Just means you go consecutively. Doesn't mean you have to <laughs> rip through it. Okay, just one Oscar. Um, I was gonna say best supporting character, best supporting male lead was Kingo, but I don't even know if he's supporting. I think he's just kind of a, a male lead. Um, so my best supporting male lead would then be Karun. Loved him. He was okay. just amazing. Uh, best non MCU double feature. I don't really know how to answer that, so I'm going to say Superman because I thought it was cool that it was, like you said earlier, it was just a really cool way to kind of integrate him. Uh, Peter Cool Award doesn't exist because they didn't have any songs, so uh, that's dumb. <laughs> and which prop would you have stolen? I would have stolen the Dobo. I'm just kidding. I would have stolen Icarus's suit because I thought his suit was fantastic. Or Athena's suit because, I'm not going to lie, she looked pretty hot in it. She did. You're not gonna lie, Angelino Jolie looked hot. You probably <laughs> I'm lying about that. Um, what what is the the Dobo is their ship, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then there's a uh, who stole the movie too. Oh, I thought you just answered that. Um, who stole the movie? That's uh, that. I mean, easily Karun. Like he was. Yeah. He was. He's supposed to not do anything. Like he's just a side character, and he had some of my favorite scenes, some of my favorite lines. And these questions are hard because you have like seven or eight lead characters, you know? Yeah, that's so. Tough. So I was thinking, I when you said you don't know if Karun would be, or if uh, Kingo would be supporting or, or main actor, I think the only main actors would be Icarus, Cersei. Um, yeah, I think that's, I think those are the two main actors everybody else is supporting. So. Okay, then I would definitely give Kingo best supporting actor. Okay. He would have gone against Troy Katsur of Coda. Coda did pretty well. I think he wins that one. Coda. Coda. I don't even know if the I saw child that of uh, deaf adults. Everybody was deaf in that movie. I saw the star of that movie at uh, what do you call it? Uh, Dancing with the Stars live. Everybody's cool. deaf in that movie. It sounds like a very boring movie. I think the child was not deaf. I haven't seen the movie. Speed round. Missed opportunities. I think this would have been an awesome limited series. I've talked about that before, but just going into their history and seeing way more cool ancient locations and fights at missed opportunity just one oscar i went angelina jolie and she was probably Ooh, in it yeah. the least of all of the i think the least of all of the the main characters probably right but she did so good when she was there it was she like everybody so else i everybody else was really good they all get a solid b richard madden he was really good everybody else was like a b actor doing really well other than selma who sucked uh, that was uh, a jack that's her name, right? 
So I'm like, I didn't. I, guess, I didn't think she did that bad, but whatever. She's like a C. Let me make sure I'm saying her name right. Salma. Salma. Was this? Salma, was this Richard Madden's first big movie? Like his big first big role? Oh, he's in. Uh, um, what do you call it? The one with the boobs and the dragons. Game of Thrones. Oh. First uh, couple seasons, and then he was in Cinderella as the prince. Don't remember that one. No, oh, well, that doesn't count because because <laughs> he didn't see it. Did very well. okay. Yeah, because I didn't see it. Uh, so everybody else is you know doing good, but they were all like bees. But she was genuinely killing it. Like, there's not often like amazing performances in MCU movies because it's so goofy sometimes. But she was like cool and psycho and like back to back shots, and to be able to pull that off is awesome. Just incredible. Like when she was fighting the big deviant and then he started pretending he was Gilgamesh and she was like, Gilgamesh! And just like totally lost it. And that was amazing. And when she broke down in tears, that was that was good. Yeah. It, it reminded me of uh, in the Muppet movies when there's one human actor playing alongside <laughs> puppets. <laughs> she's she's Michael Caine and then Richard Madden is, is Kermit. <laughs> what? You like that? Best not non MCU double feature Prometheus, it's combining ancient tales and space and sci fi and fantasy and the birth of humanity and all that stuff. Uh, that's a, that's a good one. Uh, the Peter Quill Award for best choice in music. I heard a couple songs early and I didn't they weren't memorable, but the very last song after the post credit scene after Harry Styles shows up was uh, feels by the fir- feels like the first time by Foreigner. It fit the mood pretty well. So that was- yeah, it doesn't count if it's in the credits. Indeed, and credits count. Come on. No, they don't. Yes, they do. Which prop would you have stolen? That 20-foot statue of Arshim that they had? I thought that was a cool thing. That'd be cool just to have, you know, back lawn, watching over me all the time. Who stole the movie? I, I said Kingo. He was just so funny, and he was the only guy who actually made sense, I think. Like, we're talking about, would you be on Icarus' side or Cersei's? I would have been Kingo. I would just been yeah. I yeah. think you're right, but I'm not gonna fight you guys. So peace. I'll yeah, Kingo. Kingo was the most, I think, the most relatable of all the characters. Yeah, and the and, entire time he was talking about how he, how he, he even before Icarus revealed himself, how he didn't think that they should stop the, uh, what is it, the awakening, the emergence, the emergence, the emergence. Um, but it's it just casually. It wasn't like I'm not gonna fight you guys about it. It's just. Yeah, it's like your your friend who's like a little bit political, but never gonna argue about it. And that's it. Uh, time for bum bum bum. Useless trivia. Dane Whitman, played by Kit Harrington of Game of Thrones, he is going to become the Black Knight. The sword he was whipping out at the end was the ebony blade, uh, which they talked about earlier, thinking that they they saw Excalibur, thought it was the ebony blade. And then the uncle that he mentions is Nathan Garrett former Black Knight and supervillain. And the character who interrupts him in the post credit scene is Blade, who's coming soon. In the comics, Sprite met J.M. Barry, the writer of Peter Pan, and it inspired him to create the character. And then in this movie, they mentioned Peter Pan. Lauren Ridlop, who played Mockery, she's actually deaf. And her dad had to do like an ASL crash course for the rest of the, uh, the, rest of the cast beforehand. That was cool. And most of the characters' names resonate with Greek figures. That's kind of obvious for a couple of them, but Thena, Icarus, Circe, Makari, Fastos, Gilgamesh, and Sprite. Yeah, I think uh, that was actually a big thing that came out about this movie was that their characters with, if you want to call them disabilities, like 
actually had disabilities and they just they didn't like work around it they just treated them as normal people and because they are normal people but i don't want to make it but i just yeah yeah. that's the thing that people want more of and i i i think when you say that only deaf actors should play deaf characters or only autistic actors should play autistic characters it really takes away from how hard it is, how hard these performances are, because it's really hard for deaf actors to act well, right? Um, yeah, and that's what it's like. It's just that's what makes it so much more impressive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that, that's yeah, I, I agree. Did you have any trivia? Uh, no. I think you know that. All right, cool. I don't have a lot of trivia. There was a lot of stuff I could have gone into about the the historical stuff, the Greek stuff, but that would have been two hours. And I just really liked how they did that, like mostly because of Sprite, like she would make the stories up about Icarus and that's how we get these stories about Icarus flying too close to the sun. And we didn't talk about that, but that is kind of on the nose that he killed himself by going into the sun, but I liked it. So I think some people complained about it, but I like that. Can yeah. you skip this movie in your MCU rewatch? What do you say? Oh, well, we will see. Um, yeah, as of right now, totally. But why would you want to? Yeah. <laughs> But <laughs> yeah, there's no reason to watch this outside of enjoyment, I guess, which is weird to say for movies. I watch most of them. Uh, there's gonna be a sequel soon, but I kind of hope they don't ever interact with the Avengers. I was, I, I think the whole, I, I think that exact same thing. It's just, yeah. it's a really good one off, like not one off. It's a really good side story, and what, if they just try to, to intertwine them, I just think it would get to be too much and they'll maybe just if it. you stick like one character like if just cersei joins the avengers or something and that's then she breaks off and then you don't see the other eternals except for like in maybe i would like that but i don't want to see all of them together where does it rank we got four levels pantheon awesome dig it and the last one is now titled thanos should snap this movie out of existence <laughs> where do you got Jeez. it i got it an awesome um it's personally it's in my pantheon if if i had five marvel movies to watch it would be top five but you know i get it's not important to the overall structure of the mcu and other people don't like it as much as i do and i don't get it but i gotta take that into consideration so yeah i think that and i i just can't understand people don't like this it's got everything that you want in a movie it's got really good action comedy that wasn't ever overwhelming or you know stupid uh satisfying end i think uh great oh, such a satisfying end yeah a good climactic battle um obviously there was flaws with it there's always flaws with climactic battles but i thought it was good here and then a nice a really really good cliffhanger that you don't often get in these movies um just interesting and developed characters despite introducing so many right away i feel like they didn't leave anybody out like we got enough of everybody right the yeah, it, on my in my mind was the super deviant thing, but even that had its moments, so it's kind of okay. I cut you off talking about uh how they introduced characters. Oh yeah, I was just I I think it was it was weird because you didn't have like obviously I think Icarus and Cersei were the the two if you can say leads, but they didn't have like clear cut leads. You know, it was they were kind of the leads. It's like you know fifty one forty nine. Everybody else, I think they just did a really good job at incorporating everybody and kind of telling everybody's story. But yeah, usually like if your lead overwhelms everybody, but here it's like 
there's the leads and then the field and then they're pretty cool. You know, if that makes yeah. sense. Um, yeah, makes sense. And I want to put a Pantheon and I think you totally could, but it's just hard when it's so removed from the rest of the franchise. And I feel bad because it's got such bad ratings and I don't want to like have my own opinions and I want it to be a little bit objective. But I think objectively, this is a, one of the top 10 to 15 movies. So I've got it ahead of Captain America, the Winter Soldier and right behind Black Panther and Awesome. I almost put Wow. It. Wow. That's a bold take. Yeah. I've got it high and I do not regret it. Yeah, I I would agree. Let me look at let me look at your list again to uh see where where I rank it. I think I would not list uh I wouldn't arrange your awesome list the same as you did, but I would Yeah, I I I put above Ooh, this is hard. <laughs> so so just to recap you have Captain America Civil War as the bottom of the Pantheon. Uh, Black Panther is the first awesome. Captain America, First Avenger as the second awesome. Then Spider-Man Homecoming, Captain Marvel. Four, those four are some of my favorite MCU movies. And as much as I hate to say it, I would probably put it right where you did between Black Panther and First Avenger. There you go. So here, nearing the end of 2021, my Pantheon, I've got Infinity War, Avengers, Iron Man, Endgame, Ragnarok, Guardians, Winter Soldier, and Civil War. Awesome, I got Black Panther, Eternals, First Avenger, Homecoming, Captain Marvel, Far From Home, and Age of Ultron, and Dig It, Iron Man 3, Doctor Strange, Ant-Man, Black Widow, Guardians 2, and Thor. Then I should snap this movie out of existence, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Iron Man 2, The Dark World, and The Incredible Hulk. Thank you guys for listening. As always, check out my writing at STArtFacts. That's S-T-A-R-T-E-Facts.com. Also on ScorpioLikeYou.com. Talk about pop culture. Talk about nerd stuff. Pretty cool. We will be back next week. Spider-Man No Way Home. We got Ricky Z coming over from a couple nerdy comic podcasts. But until then, peace out.